Our God is a wonderful God. He loves us. He chose us. He saved us. He redeemed us. And he called us his own. He is a wonderful, wonderful God. That's who he is. And this morning, we're starting off a new series about who is God? That's a question a lot of people ask. A lot of people ponder, who is God? I remember thinking about that when I was 17 years old and a friend asked me about what I thought about God and religion and who is God to you? I don't know. He's the guy upstairs. I don't know who he is. And that's a question a lot of people struggle with. A lot of teenagers, a lot of adults, they struggle with this idea of of who is God. And Lord willing, over the next couple of weeks, as Pastor and I preach a couple of messages about this theme, it'll become clear to us about who is our wonderful God. You know, and it all starts with the reality of does God exist? Does God exist? Go with me in your Bibles to Psalm 19 this morning. Psalm 19. Who is God? Can you know who he is? This is a question that humanity has wrestled with for thousands of years. Some would say, yes, I know him. He is my best friend. While others would say, how can you know someone that, that, that doesn't really even exist? And others would even ask, which God are you referring to when you ask, who is God? If you ask this question to 10 different people, you'll likely get 10 different answers. It is our hope over the next couple of weeks that we'll give some clarity uh, to this subject. We're going to attempt to show you that you can really know God and also try to equip you so that you might be able to talk with others and share with them, do you know God? So the Bible never seeks to prove God's existence, but rather it takes it for granted. In, In Genesis chapter number one, verse number one, the Bible simply says, in the beginning... God. There's no theological or philosophical treaties about why this statement is true. It just simply asserts this statement as a fact. In the beginning, God. There's no argument trying to prove God's existence anywhere in the Bible. But there is our very comprehensive argument. There is a very comprehensive argument made about God's existence given to us in the very first book that God wrote. Oh, hold up, Pastor Chris. God wrote another book. Maybe you should have told about this before we voted on you become a pastor or not. Yes, God wrote another book. It is the book of nature. The book of creation. If you want to know if God exists, you must look to his first book. You must simply look up at the heavens. In Psalm 19, verse number 1, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth at the strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Look with me and get it in verse number one. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. In other words, you can say that last part, the skies proclaim the hand, the work of his hands. The skies proclaim the work of God's hands. If you want to know if God exists, you simply must look up. 
you must look to his first book of creation. You know, there are several ways that the heavens speak to God's existence. God speaks about creation. The first way that he speaks is we are here. The fact that there is any there there is a good indicator that there is a God. You see, every cause must have a, every effect must have a cause. Each of those causes must, must itself have a prior cause. And if we follow this logic uh, back far enough, we reach to a point where there had to be an initial cause. There had to be a first cause that started all of this mess that we're living in today. There had to be an initial cause. We know that this initial cause had to be spaceless. Why? Because there is space. He created space. Starting back with Einstein and Edward Hubble. Science has over and again shown the universe is expanding, that it had a starting point and that it has since been expanding. The universe has not existed forever. In 2003, leading secular scientists, scientists who don't believe in the Bible, their names are Arvind Borde, Alan Guth, and Alexander Velkin, were able, these men were able to prove that uh, any universe that has on average been expanding through its history cannot be infinite in the past, but must have a space-time boundary. So space had to have a beginning. And so whoever created space must have been spaceless outside of space in order to create This thing is space. So whatever this first cause was, whoever it was, he had to be spaceless. He also had to be timeless because he created time. You know, it's impossible for time to be infinite going back in the past. If time was infinite, we would never get to today. Think with me. We're starting today and we go for infinity into the past. You could never arrive to the point that we are at this day. Because you're forever going back in infinity. It never catches up and allows you to get to this point in time. So time had to have a beginning to start the clock, to get to where we are today. Time had to have a beginning. Someone or something had to press the clock to get this time thing running. And so whoever started the time had to be outside of time. They had to be a timeless being. They also had to be immaterial. We know that nothing can create nothing, can create, nothing can't create something. Can we define what nothing is? It's really easy to find nothing, isn't it? It's nothing. What is nothing? Nothing's there. That is nothing. Nothing can't create something. Pretty much everything in our universe is made up of material or matter. So there had to be something that was immaterial in order to create the material because nothing can't create something because nothing is simply nothing. Modern atheists declare that the first cause was nothing. That that's right. We're here because something came from nothing. Look at this video. This Actually, is from one of the audience. People. Of course, it's counterintuitive that you can get something from nothing. Of course, common sense doesn't allow you to get something from nothing. That's why it's interesting. It's got to be interesting in order to give rise to the universe at all. Something pretty mysterious had to give rise to the origin of the universe. Which is exactly what's, what's meant by, by nothing, but whatever it is, it's very, very simple. And <laughs> why is that funny? <laughs> Well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. Isn't that interesting? Richard Dawkins, 
one of the leading atheists of our day, says we came from nothing. And then he tried to define what nothing is. You can ask any elementary school child, what is nothing? And the answer is, it's nothing. If there's something there, then it is no longer nothing. It becomes something. So what was that something? We know that something had to be immaterial. It had to be spaceless. It had to be timeless. And it had to be immaterial. This first cause, the heavens declare... The heavens declare that there is something or someone that started all of this. The fact that we are here declares the handiwork of God. A second way that the heavens speak to God's existence is everything is organized. As people have looked around our planet and our universe, they've come to see that everything has a design to it. Atheists would declare that it has an apparent design to it. But even they say it has a design. It's just apparently designed. Everything is so organized and planned. If we look out our, our windows and we see the sun go up and the sun go down. We know the sun's not necessarily moving. The earth is moving. But every day we see the sun going up and going down. We see the uh, sun has this continuous cycle. We know that the planets have a continuous circle around the sun. A couple of scientific facts that that you're going to get lost in, but it's very interesting. It says if the strong nuclear force, which is responsible for binding together the fundamental particles of matter to form larger particles, were slightly more powerful, then there would be no hydrogen, an essential element of life. If it was slightly weaker, then hydrogen would be the only element in existence. If the weaker nuclear force, which has has to do with the decay of neutrons, were slightly different then either there would not be enough helium to generate heavy elements in stars, or stars would burn out too quickly and supernova explosions could not scatter heavy elements across the universe. If the electromagnet force were slightly stronger or weaker, atomic bonds and thus complex molecules could not form. Basically what these scientific facts are showing is that everything just seems to fit and work perfectly together. If there was the slightest change to so many different factors within our universe, then the world that we know today would simply not exist. Everywhere you look, every part of science that you study, you can see design, you can see how things just nicely fit together, these elements, and the slightest change in so many of them would cause the whole thing to fall apart. That shows that there is a design aspect to this whole creation that we're still learning about today. Just back in the 1950s, there was a new discovery that was made that wasn't known for thousands of years, what is known as DNA. DNA is a long molecule that contains our unique genetic code. Some have said we have enough DNA in our bodies that if you stretched it, you could go from the earth to the sun and back five different times. That is how much DNA is contained within our bodies. DNA is our unique genetic code. When the genetic information from the parents combines together during fertilization, a genetic blueprint is created in the nucleus of the fertilized egg that is the DNA blueprint. It's like a recipe book that, that holds the instructions for making all the proteins in our bodies. And I'm think, I think God that he's a much better cook than I am because you can give me a recipe book and I have no idea what it means. But 
but God knows that code. He sees that design. He sees the order, and he's the one that put it all together. The DNA has been called the instruction book for life. It's a book. Think about that. When you see a book, when you walked in this morning... And you saw all of this design here. And you looked in and you saw all the pictures and you saw the words and you saw all this around here. You didn't go, wow, what an accident. That's amazing how that happened. I'm sure billions and millions of years ago, all this stuff just kind of happened to fall in together and to fall into place. And wow, that is amazing. And yet that's what many scientists want us to believe today. That this amazing genetic DNA book that we have in us that is so much more complex than any of the design that you see up here this morning. That all of that just happened to come together. That all that code just happened to form together. That it all fell out of the sky. That all the, it all over time just kind of mixed in together and all of a sudden boom. Here we are. Now, if I were to tell you this morning that this all happened by accident, that we're here in this building, that there was an explosion yesterday in this building formed, everyone in here would go, that's ludicrous. No one's going to believe that. And yet that is what many leading scientists want us to believe today. That this world that has so much more design, that is so much more intricate, intricate than this building that we're in today, than these pictures that we're looking at this morning... That all of that just happened to come together through millions of years, through accident, and it exploded. And that's what we're here this morning. That it just came together out of nowhere. But everywhere that we look, every, we just look up at the skies. We look around us and we go, there's something more to this. There's obvious a designer that made it all happen. Most people today would declare that evolution is what organized all that. But the reality of it is, is that there's so many logical fallacies to evolution. If you really just stop and think about it, how it all come together. Watch this clip of video here. But literally, stardust. Okay, so where did you come from? I came from the stars. No, no, you came from your parents. <laughs> Obviously I did, yeah. Where did they come from? And they came from their parents. And where did they come from? From their parents. Right back to Adam. Correct. Adam was created by God, and he made male and female, and he made the birds of the air and made them male and female so they could reproduce after their own kind. Okay, explain this to me, if you really believe in evolution. Before it had eyes, how did it see? Um, the eyes have to evolve, because the thing's evolving from stardust. Correct. Um, so they probably didn't see, they felt. They felt, did it have a brain, or couldn't have had a brain until the brain evolved? So how did it think? to look for food, and where did the food come from? And why did the food evolve? And did it have lungs? Do you think the chicken thing before it evolved into chicken had lungs? I'm not too sure. It's all about uh, uh, survival instinct, so, you know. It's not gonna survive, it didn't have lungs. And if it breathed air, was the air 20% oxygen as it is now, and why did the air evolve? And why did it evolve lungs? And how did it survive before it had lungs? and see before it had eyes and think before it had a brain and eat before it had an appetite. It doesn't really make sense when you think about it because you've got to translate that to elephants, horses, cats, cows, human beings. Every living thing apparently evolved from stars had to evolve eyes and ears and a mouth and a nose and lungs and heart and kidneys. Let's go back to something more simple regarding that first chicken that came from the stars. Which came first in the chicken? Was it, was it its blood? or its heart or its blood vessels, which evolved first? 
I do not know the answer. Well, if it was the heart, why did the heart evolve when there was no blood? If it was the blood, why did the blood evolve when there was no heart to pump it around? If there are no blood vessels, how did the blood get around the body of the chicken to keep it alive if there's no heart to pump it? I've always had the doubts. It's like, we've been here for how long and we still haven't evolved, or what are we going to evolve into? Can you think of anyone that isn't fully evolved? Anything on Earth. Dogs have four legs. They have a tongue and eyes and ears. Everything's fully evolved. People have, they don't have half evolved leg. You don't see someone with a semi-evolved leg or half an ear or half a nose, half an eye, half teeth. Everything's fully evolved because the Bible says when God created all things, it was finished. So everything's finished. The fruits, the flowers, the birds, the trees, the nuts, the, the giraffes, horses, cats, cows, everything is fully finished. And what it does is disproves evolution and establishes the Bible in saying that God created everything fully finished with the ability to reproduce after their own kind as male and female. It's very simple. It's not very difficult to think through that. But when you try to say everything came through by accident, there's so many questions that are left unanswered. There's so many logical fallacies that, was it the heart first? Was it the blood first? How did you have a blood without a heart that moved through everything? There's so many things that just do not make sense when you try to say, say it came from accident. But if you know that a creator, a designer, thought through all these things and put it together, it makes a lot more sense. Oh, he thought through. It needed this in order to do this, in order to accomplish this. And it's so much more logical when you think it through that way. See, the heavens declare the glory of God. The fact that we're here, the fact that the earth is so put together, the fact that we can see everything is organized and all the design, we can just look up and say, the heavens declare the glory of God. And so that's why God just stated to the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is obvious that there is a God when you just simply stop and think. So why then... Do so many people deny that truth? Why are there so many people? Stardust. Okay, so wait. All right. Why do so many people deny that truth, that obvious truth that there is a God? Go with me to Romans chapter number one this morning. Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. And we're going to look in verse number 20. Fifth book of the New Testament. You've got the four Gospels, Acts, then Romans. We're going to be in chapter 1, verse number 20. And the Bible says, For the invisible things of Him, speaking of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul tells us what Psalm 19 told us. God speaks through His creation. The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. We can see God clearly through the creation. Creation is God's first book. Therefore, if someone has never seen a Bible, they're still accountable for God, as it says at the end of the verse, that they're without excuse. His power and His deity are clearly seen. We can easily understand them. He has revealed Himself. God has not hidden Himself. He has chosen to reveal Himself to mankind. Look in verse number 19. It says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it, 
unto them. God has shown himself unto us. He has put a conscience within us that reveals God. He's shown himself to us throughout creation. God isn't hiding. God isn't one that is playing hide and seek with us. Where he's saying you have to come try and find me. God has made it abundantly clear that he is there. All you have to do is look up. You look at the stars, you look at the moon, you look at creation, you look at us, you see mankind, you see all the animals, you see all that exists, and you know there is a God. God is not hiding from us. He has revealed himself unto us. So why then does mankind deny him? Look in verse number 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness... And unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That phrase, to hold the truth, means to suppress or to stifle the truth. Man does not want to believe the truth that God exists. They would never believe that the building that we are meeting in today came as a result of an explosion and it just kind of formed like this. And yet they choose to believe that the universe which we live in that is so more, much more detailed and complex all came as a result of accident. That seems so ludicrous. Why would mankind choose to do that? They claim that it's because of science. Well, I'm just simply following the science. I believe the science. That's what they claim. But that is not a reality. The science does not declare that. The real reason that mankind suppresses the truth of the knowledge of God is this. They love their sin. They love their sin. Did you notice that at verse number 18? The last part. Who hold the truth, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They hold that truth. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They love their unrighteous deeds. And they know that if there is a creator God that started all this, that formed them, that he will hold them accountable for their sins. And that they, their sins that they so love to do, they won't be able to relinquish. They don't want to relinquish it. They desire to do those things which are against God. And so they don't want there to be a God because they love their sin. And we know a famous verse, Psalm 14, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We all know that verse, all oh, the foolish Say there's no God. You continue with that verse. It says they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. They don't do good. They love their abominable works. They live like there's no God. And so therefore they simply proclaim that there is no God. Because it matches up with the lifestyle that they want to live. Man's heart is so corrupt. That when God chose to reveal himself in the person of Jesus Christ, who being in form of God, thought of no reputation to become the, the servant of God, he became, he was God, he became a man. God revealed himself as God. And what did man do to that? How did man react to that amazing act of God of revealing himself to us? Well, it says in John chapter number 3, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Remember when you were a kid, or maybe yesterday, when you were doing something you shouldn't be doing, and mom and dad walked in the room, 
All of a sudden, you just change, right? You don't want them to know what you're doing. You never, well, most kids, never went in front of mom and dad and start doing all those things that we shouldn't be doing. Most kids, they would go, well, mom and dad's at home. We're over here. Now we can act like we want to act and do the foolish things because mom and dad won't know about it. They won't see it. Oftentimes, we will do things when other people don't know that we're doing those things. And it's the same way with God. We love darkness. We want to think that there's no God watching us. We love our sin. We love what we're doing. We love the wickedness that we're doing. And to think that there's a God looking down on us and watching over us. We don't like that fact. We don't like that idea. We love our sin and we want to hold on to our sin. Mankind loves to sin. And so the reason they proclaim that there is no God, the reason that they suppress the truth is because they don't want to be held accountable to their creator, to a God. They love looking at what they shouldn't be. They love talking the way that they shouldn't talk. They love doing those things what they shouldn't do. They love living as they shouldn't live. They love their sin. So they often hide behind the excuse of science to justify their non-belief. Let me clarify that about science. With science, there's two types of science. There's a science that's the observational science where you put it in a lab and you test it over and over again and you make sure it's true. You verify it. You can test it. Then there's origin science, which there's no way to prove. You can't go back in the lab and recreate this earth. That was an event that happened one time. So when they say science, it's not something that's being verified. It's not something that can be proven. It's just something they think is true. They think is the knowledge that is revealed to us. It's what they want to be true, and they call that science. There is no basis in the fact of that science. They take little things that are happening now in this world that they can apply, and they make it apply to billions of years ago, and they make it fit how they want it to fit it. That's not the science they're talking. They call it science, but it's not the laboratory science that can be justified and verified. And so they simply hide behind the excuse of science. Why? To justify their unbelief. Everyone knows Everyone knows that something can't come from nothing. It's impossibility. Nothing is nothing. You can't create something out of nothing. Somebody had to start it all. Everyone knows that there's such order and design that scream that there's a creator. But they deny the truth. They suppress the truth because they love their sin. Look with me in the following verses of Romans chapter number 1. And tell me they don't describe what's happening in our society today. Romans chapter 1 verse 21. It says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Why is that so funny, Richard Dawkins says? Why is everyone laughing at me? I just said something so profound. Some, nothing is this. And everyone went, what? They think they're wise, but they make themselves seem foolish. In verse 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and the four-footed beast and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. 
They worship the creation more than they worship the one who made it all. Does that not sound like our society today? They worship our creation. Oh, we've got to worry so much about the trees and the planets. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of the things that God has given us dominion on. But they worship these things. That is their God. That is what is so valuable to them. And they don't worship God, the one who created all of these things. And they suppress the truth of who God is. They claim to be wise. And they sound ignorant. Yes, this is what nothing is. It's something. And it just doesn't make sense. They worship the creation of the Creator, so God lets them suffer the natural consequences that this produces. And it results in the immorality that we see in our society today. Continue with me in verse 26. It says, For this cause, for this reason, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a reprobate mind, a mind that doesn't work, it doesn't function, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, Full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Wow, does that not describe our society today? Don't have a natural affection. Given over to a reprobate mind, a mind that just doesn't function. How many times have you been watching the news and just went, what are they talking about? That just doesn't make sense. How could they not reason? They're they're only driven by their emotions. Can't, Can't they think logically? They've been given up to a mind that just doesn't work because they worship the creation more than the creator. They've suppressed the knowledge of truth. And they know this. But instead of saying, oh, we shouldn't do this, it said the last part, they said they not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. They get excited when people live immoral lives. They applaud on TV when people commit adultery. They get excited when people live in wickedness and ungodliness and lie and do those things in which God, they're, yeah, good job. And they're excited. They they have pleasure in the wickedness of other people. That is where we are today in our society. People wonder, where did, how did America get the way it is? It's because we've suppressed the knowledge of the truth. There is no God. You can live however you want. We're just all an accident here. Survival of the fittest. You can do whatever you want to make yourself comfortable and happy. And you can live happily. And then we see all the repercussions of that. And how we fall in society. And things become worse and worse and worse. They suppress the knowledge of the truth. See, the fact that we're in a society the way it is today gives clear evidence that God exists. It's evident that God exists. They suppress the truth. And God says, this is what I'm going to do when you suppress the truth. I'm going to give you up to yourself, to a mind that doesn't think. 
to immoral lives, and you're going to suffer the consequences of it. And that's what we're seeing in America today. And we're seeing in the world today is people giving up to a reprobate mind. And what's happening, they're storing up for themselves wrath until the day of God's judgment. As it said in verse number 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They're storing up for themselves the wrath of God's judgment. Why don't people believe that there's a God, even though creation screams this truth? Because they love their sin. But you know, thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Thankfully, that's not the end of it all. Despite our rebellion, despite mankind's rejection of God's obvious existence, God didn't give up on us. He chose to reveal more about himself so that we might come to him. Turn with me back to Psalm 19. Psalm 19. God revealed more about himself so that he might save us. Psalm 19, verse number 7. And the Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. See, God gave us another revelation. God gave us the creation to re- reveal that He is God. But then He gave us another book to re- so that we might believe in Him. Because nature is not sufficient enough to convert the soul. It's the law of the Lord that is perfect, that converts the soul. It says in verse number 7, the word perfect means make the whole complete or sufficient. It converts, it restores or transforms us. You see, God's word, God's special revelation is sufficient to change the innermost being of a person. The, The heavens declare the glory of God. We can know there is a God, but it's the word of God that convinces us that we need a savior. And that Jesus Christ, the word of God, has come to rescue us from our sins. And he can deliver us from our sins. The testimony of the Lord, it continues verse 7, is sure, making wise the simple. It testifies, the word of God testifies against our sin. And on behalf of God's righteousness, it's sure, it doesn't change, it doesn't waver. It's a reliable word. It makes those who are simple, the naive, the undiscerning, people like me who didn't know the truth. The word of God was revealed and it revealed the truth to me. And now it's, it helps me to discern what is right through God. That's what the Word of God does. It helps us to understand the truth of who God is and it gives us wisdom unto, the, the, unto salvation. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart, it says in verse 8. The statutes, His precepts, His decrees, they're right. They reveal the right path. See, God's Word will reveal the way to go and therefore calls our hearts to rejoice and who God is. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It, it's not clear. It's not, it's, not, it's not confusing. It's very clear to us. God's word is easy to understand. It's easy to discern. We can understand the word of God and learn from it. It enlightens our eyes. We understand who God is through this book. This is who God is. And we're going to be learning more about that over the upcoming weeks of exactly who God is through the Word of God. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The Word of God changes us. It's an everlasting truth. It's it's without corruption. It's without evil. It has an effect on our lives. It, It calls us to fear God and to worship Him and to live in a way 
of knowing that there is a creator and that I will stand before him one day. And the fear of God comes upon me and it changes the way that I live. And his judgments are true and righteous altogether. That's the final conclusion. That's it. God's word is true. His judgments are true. We can trust the word of God. And for that reason, look with me in verse number 10. It says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and a honeycomb. See, when we understand the value of God's word in our life, when we understand the change that it can make in our lives, we go, oh, I need this book. It's more valuable to me than anything else in this world. I need the word of God. If the house is on fire, we go, I'm going inside to get my Bible, not my documents that show what stocks I own, not my supply of cash or gold that I have in there. No, the word of God is what I need. It is the most valuable thing in the world to me because it changes my life. It helps me to understand who God is. It changes my soul. It converts my soul. It takes this wicked, ungodly man who suppressed the knowledge of truth because I didn't want there to be a God because I love my sin. And it shows me that despite that, that God loves me. He loved me so much that he sent his son to die in my place. And now I can see who his name is, Jesus. He died for me and he wants to save me. He gives me hope. If I shall call upon his name, I'll be saved. And I see that through the word of God and I go wow what an amazing truth and then as I continue to read it and I continue to study it I see how the word of God transforms my life it makes me a more godly man it helps me to hate sin and to love righteousness it changes my path from following the wrong ways to following God's ways and it changes and transforms my life and I see the value of this book and it becomes so precious to me it's more valuable than gold it's, more, it's sweeter than honey to me. It's better than honey buns. I mean, this book is amazing. And that's saying something. You, until you don't have honey buns for a while, you don't realize how much, how good they are. And when uh, you're in Uruguay. And, but the word of God is so special. You see, general revelation creation gives man the knowledge of God. His goodness. And it shows us our need of God. Special revelation, the Bible provides man with a knowledge of redemption that is available to him. And God holds man accountable for all revealed truth. We can suppress the truth all we want, but God will one day hold us accountable. Every single person on the face of this planet will be held accountable to God because God has revealed himself. All we have to do is look up and we can see that there is a God. God exists. And then we can know him more by looking down and looking in the word of God and see what it says. God exists, friends. He exists. We know this because God has spoken. He spoke our world into existence. And it declares that He exists. His existence is so clearly obvious. Just as it was obvious that people came in yesterday and put up these designs. And we know that it was someone who did this. And we just look up and we see all the intricate designs. We see how special this world is. And we go, there's no way that happened by accident. There is a God. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And he reveals himself to us. But man loves sin. And so they suppress this truth. They don't want it to be true. Because they want to continue living the way they lived. They don't want dad to walk in the room. They don't want their boss to walk in when they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. And go, you shouldn't be doing that. They love doing the wrong things that they're doing. And so they suppress the truth of who God is. But despite all of that, 
God loves us. Despite the fact that he made himself so clear to us and we rejected him, he still loves us and he loved us so much that he became like us to die in our place that we could have forgiveness of sins. Our creator, the one who made all of this, wants a personal relationship with us. He wants to be our father. God wants to be our father. He helps us to grow. He teaches us the important things of life. The amazing God who created all things becomes our father. So we have a choice. We can choose to continue to love our sin and suppress the truth of God's existence. Or we can repent of our sin and turn to our loving creator who offers us forgiveness for our sins. Do you know who God is? Do you know who God is? Is that true to you? Can you just look up and say, wow, he's an amazing God. I hope you do this morning. I hope you know who God is. If you've never come to know Jesus Christ, God revealed in flesh, if you've never come to know him as your Savior, I encourage you this morning to talk to him. Acknowledge your sin. Talk to him about how you love your unrighteousness more than you love God. But repent of your sin. Acknowledge what you've done is wrong. And put your full faith and trust in Jesus to rescue you from your sin.